Good. Well, um, welcome this morning. Uh, we're into our last uh, session of, of Keeping Your Heart, um, session five or five. Um, while I pray for us and then we'll um, dig straight in. Our Father, uh, please give us our minds uh, that are alert, our desires that are long to uh, know you better. Um, please establish our wills uh, under you, we pray. Um, please, uh, particularly this morning, help us to be learning um, how, to be, how to be watchful uh, over our hearts uh, and the world we live in. Uh, we, ask, uh, that we, might, um, we ask for that, that we might live for the Lord Jesus better uh, in our lives. And uh, we pray. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 4, uh, 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, uh, for from it flow uh, the springs of life. Um, the purpose of keeping your heart is so that the springs of life uh, flow healthy, flow clean. Like you think of a, think of a farm. Uh, a farmer who neglects the springs of water on his farm uh, is going to end up with water that flows foul and diseased and dirty as, as birds and animals tread on it um, and so fail to produce good crops for him. Uh, but a, a farmer who's careful to keep his springs clean, to guard the springs of water, he's going to get clean, fresh, healthy um, water, which means clean, uh, clean and healthy crops. Um, keep your heart, uh, for from it flows the springs of life. Last week we thought about um, the fact that keeping your heart is a bit like gardening. I, so think, think of a, a gardener in a garden. Um, it largely, gardening largely involves, involves two things. It involves um, preserving, so sustaining and maintaining, pruning, and looking at all that's within and keeping it good. And so preserving, but also protecting. So, so a gardener protects against, well, weather, uh, first, first, and, first and foremost, against pests and insects, against uh, small animals and small children. Um, and really, when we come to keeping the heart, we, we do those two things. So, so last week we thought about preserving, uh, the way we look inwards, and principally we thought that the, the main way to preserve ourselves spiritually and inwardly is to take our hearts to Christ uh, in prayer and word and in worship. And this week I want to focus in on the protecting um, kind of looking outwards uh, for all that might uh, intrude and attack our hearts. Um, and the first thing to say there, right at the top, um, is that protecting the heart is absolutely necessary. Actively guarding and protecting your heart is necessary. It's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a, um, kind of an optional thing for Christians to do. Um, and it's necessary because we don't live in a neutral environment. Um, we're, we're not in a safe place. There's no place in, in the world to, to put up our feet and rest. Um, we always need to be protecting, and principally for two, two reasons. Again, none of these things would be um, surprising, but it's worth uh, seeing them and refreshing ourselves in them. Um, for, t- for two things, principally. Um, the reality of what the world is like around us, and the first thing there is that the reality of, of unseen, hostile, spiritual forces. I just turn to Ephesians 6 in your Bibles. Um, a very famous passage, I'm so sure people have pointed this out to you many times before, um, but the passage where we're told to put on uh, the whole armour of God, um, verse 11 of chapter 6, put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, i.e. stuff we can touch and feel, uh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly uh, places. 
and the battle of our hearts is with, with what we call sea. Um, and nature how it's described. Um, they're, they're powerful forces, aren't they? Um, they're rulers and authorities and cosmic powers. Um, we, we live in a world where, the, the, where Jesus says uh, the devil rules. Um, and he is much stronger than us. That's the thing we need to get home to our hearts, is that the devil and the unseen spiritual forces around us are, are, are much stronger than us. Now, on one level, we don't need to fear him, do we? Um, we belong to Christ. Um, we are Christ. Christ is stronger than the devil. He's the one who binds the devil in the Gospels. He's steadily defeating the devil's kingdom. His kingdom is advancing. And he gives us all we need to fight. That's what the armour of God is in the rest of the passage. He, he equips us um, so that what we couldn't do on our own, um, we can do with him. But that doesn't mean there shouldn't be a right fear in us. A uh, right fear... Uh, acknowledging how, how powerful he is, our right awareness of his power, particularly because I, I think the devil, um, in his power over us, he, he finds allies in our heart. He finds allies in our hearts. Um, that's what we see a little bit of in James chapter 1. Again, if you want to flick there, you can. Um, James chapter 1, when it talks about temptation, we, we usually think of the devil tempting us, don't we? Um, from the outside but James chapter 1 verse 14 each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by well, his own desire then that desire when it's conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it fully, is fully grown brings forth death and when the devil tempts us uh, he finds corresponding response uh, to him uh, uh, wanting to follow him so that's the first that's the first side we need to be, to be watchful for and to be aware of. Second side, just, just the way the world captivates our hearts. As you can see, we've got kind of classic divisions of devil, flesh, and world. We, we need to be aware of how the world captivates our hearts, how its wealth lures us, or its desires seduce us, or its fame intoxicates us, and how the world around us has the, just has the ability to ensnare us and pin us down and captivate us. Think of the, again, here's an illustration, think of the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus, and he has genuinely good desires, doesn't he, in some sense? He wants eternal life. He's concerned about himself spiritually. Um, we wish more people in our world were like that. And yet, when Jesus tells him to come and follow him as the answer, and he goes away sad because he has great wealth. His wealth holds his heart and prevents him from coming to Christ. And we have hearts that are like his. And of course, all these things are connected, aren't they? So that the devil... The devil doesn't, doesn't attack us, or well, he does sometimes, but, but the main way he attacks us will be, will be through the world and through our desires and presenting us with temptation and trying to draw us aside. Um, so we're not, not in a neutral environment. Protecting the heart is absolutely necessary. Um, just take, let's take a brief break uh, and discuss Matthew 26, 41. Um, I think it's one of the most helpful verses on, on kind of protecting the heart. So just turn down the Bible. And so five minutes looking at that in groups. Let me read it for you, and then go into groups. So Jesus speaking to the disciples on the mountain, mount of Gethsemane just before he uh, goes to the cross, ultimately warning them not to, not to desert him. But he says to them, watch and pray. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit, spirit indeed is willing, 
but the flesh is weak. Okay, T questions down there for you. What do you think it looks like to watch? And why do you think it's important that we watch and pray? Why is watching alone not sufficient? Go for it. Five minutes. Good, let's draw it together. Um, watch and pray. First of all, watch. Um, temptation is around every corner, isn't it? That's what I've just, just been talking about, the devil and the world. You, you, can't, you can't escape it. It's everywhere. Um, so, so watching is, is being on guard. Think of a guard in a watchtower. You can't, you, can't, you can't take a moment off. Even though he looks out and everything looks fine, and there's no enemies in sight, you can't just kind of have a nap and go to sleep. Um, because the enemy might come at any moment. Um, so Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all, all vigilance. Uh, all guarding. Um, and actually, Scripture's full of stuff. We could, we could have picked a hundred verses on, on watching. Um, the Bible constantly commands us to, to watch against false teaching, against our desires, against uh, watching for the Lord's return, and on and on you might go. Um, but watch and pray. Um, the flesh is weak. The spirit, sorry, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Um, we know that, don't we? we? We have a desire to be godly. We want our hearts to be healthy. Uh, and yet we find ourselves uh, falling for sin, falling for te- temptation all, all the time. Um, the forces against us are more powerful uh, than us, and, and we need Christ's help. He says, apart from me, um, John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, you can even say, you watch by praying. Um, so it's not like you watch and then you go away and pray. Prayer is, is watchfulness. Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, constantly, being watchful in it with thanksgiving you don't want to separate them out too much say that in the lord's prayer don't you lead me not in temptation and, and deliver me from evil um deliver us even and uh, what i want to go and think about is um your gatekeepers um gatekeepers uh, are, are things uh, gatekeepers, gatekeepers are, allow access right um and so, so i want to argue that your heart has gatekeepers <laughs> um, they're things which allow access into your heart and principally uh, they are your, your eyes and your ears and um, your eyes and your ears control what comes to you uh, from the outside uh, world if you like they're, they're two kind of major sensory organs uh, of your heart and, and scripture is constantly connecting them um, through and through but let's, let's, let's think briefly about both um, so uh, let's think about the eyes uh, first um, as I said, Scripture is constantly connecting them. So, so, so where and how you look, uh, your outward action, what you do with your eyes, often uncovers what your heart is like, the kind of inward reality of what's going on inside. So Psalm 131 says, kind of, my heart is not lifted up, and, and neither are my eyes. My eyes are not raised too high. And you, we're familiar with the language of, of someone who has an arrogant heart and a haughty look. Uh, it comes out in their eyes. Um, or think about, again, how the eyes and heart are connected. So um, Jesus says, whoever, whoever looks at a woman lustfully has committed sin with her uh, in, his, in, his, in his heart. And so the, the, two, the two are connected. The lingering look is driven by desire. Um, and, and that heart, your heart will want to fill itself with what it wants to see. So it will, it will want to give access to what your heart wants, um, to what you look at, uh, to, to fulfill your desires, to, to feast on. Um, and equally, you can slip around, twitch around. So um, what you look at uh, affects your heart. Um, Matthew uh, chapter 6. Let me read those verses. Um, verse uh, 22. 
Uh, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, i.e. what it looks at, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, well then your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Um, if if what, what you look at, I think Jesus is saying, what you give your eye to, and there's obviously probably a deeper spiritual meaning to it as well, um, but on a, kind of on a surface level, um, affects what your heart's like, so it affects your whole body, um, whether it's dark or light. Um, and we kind of know that, don't we? So, so we know the eye appeal of a product is very powerful, and that's what advertising is entirely based on. Um, ads try and grip the heart uh, through the eye. You, you can think of when you go to the supermarket and you, you're picking out two items on a shelf. Um, and they're basically kind of identical in what they are, and yet the one you go for is often depending on the kind of packaging, like what it looks like, right? even though you have no idea uh, what they taste like. So the eye, the eye appeal of a product is very powerful. We're drawn uh, to what our eyes like. Um, and then I want to say our desires are aroused and fed by what we choose to look at. And by that, I don't just mean kind of accidentally, um, what, I, what I kind of happen to pass my vision, but what I deliberately look at, what, I, what my, my look lingers on. Um, throughout scripture, again and again, uh, what people allow themselves to see um, leads them into sin. Uh, it comes to the eye. So Eve kind of allows herself to look at the tree, to glance over it, uh, and her desire is drawn to it, and she takes the fruit. Or, or David, um, he allows himself to be in a place where, where his eyes see Bathsheba. Um, as, as many of you know, he should have been out fighting his enemies, um, but, but he allows himself to be in a place where, where his eyes see what they shouldn't, and he commits adultery as a result, uh, and later murder. And when the, when the Israelite army sees their enemies, um, their hearts fail them and they sin against God. Um, so so your, your desires can be aroused and fed and strengthened by what you look at. Um, and the desires are there already uh, in your heart, uh, but what you see affects them. Um, the counterexample of that would be uh, the Lord Jesus. Um, so when, when the devil shows him uh, all the kingdoms, of the kingdoms of the earth and tries to tempt him, don't, don't you want to rule these ones? Um, he, he, he doesn't have the desire to disobey God. And so he doesn't... doesn't doesn't, that desire isn't fed or strengthened because it's not there. But for us, and what we see is constantly shaping our desires. Um, constantly kind of inciting um, what we find our hearts are ready to lust or envy or covetousness uh, or hatred or greed. Um, but they, can be, they can be manipulated and fed through our eyes. Equally, our ears. Our ears. Um, so our ears can hear and not hear depending on the state of our heart. Again, just as our eyes and our heart are connected, so our ears and our heart. Um, Jesus is constantly saying through the Gospels, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Um, he's not saying if you're deaf, sorry. You know, he's saying, listen to what I'm saying. There's a difference between hearing and listening to me. Um, Proverbs is, is constantly telling us to incline your ear. And Proverbs is aimed at the heart, isn't it? Proverbs is, is, is aiming to, to change the heart of someone and to make, make you give your heart to God. And he's constantly telling us, give me your ears, incline your ear to me. Not just merely hear, but hear with uh, intent and deliberate thought. And you can flip around and say that the rebellious and stubborn heart throughout Scripture is one that refuses to listen, to hear properly. He hears God, but he doesn't hear. Um, and then again, we can be lured and deceived uh, through our ears, just as we can be through our eyes. Um, you can see this in, in Proverbs chapter 7. 
chapter five or down there. They both say similar things. Um, in, in the context of uh, lust, it's interesting what, what entices the son in Proverbs 5. What, what's he been warned against? Well, Proverbs 5, 5 verse 3 is the lips, i.e. the speech of a forbidden woman, drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil. And Proverbs 7 gets across even more strongly where, where the woman who, who tempts the man um, has a whole speech for him in verses 14 through to 20 of chapter 7. And so, so we can all be um, manipulated and tempted by what we hear. Um, what comes in through our ears it can hugely and significantly shape us, what we allow ourselves to listen to. When you think of, think of relationships, um, often relationships are, are built on words, aren't they? Often the bond between a, between a couple, between friends, is a bond of words. Um, And that, yeah, and, and you know, we know how speech can shape us. I, I can think of when I was a teenager and I went, I went to went to school, and um, basically, basically, I kind of knew what swear words were, but never really heard them because I was born up in a Christian home uh, on the mission field. And suddenly, I was surrounded by people swearing at me all the time, and it got into my speech really, really easily, just infiltrated into my heart. And um, so, I found it really easy uh, to swear simply because of when well, I wasn't, I didn't really want to. I didn't didn't go there. Be like, I really want to start swearing, but it just, it just happened. Um, because of the, the atmosphere I was, I was put into. Um, the, the voices you listen to powerfully shape your hearts. Um, none of us form opinions out of thin air. We're totally influenced by the voices around us, whether it's our, our parents or professors at uni um, or, or friendships or neighbours or whatever it might be, work colleagues. Um, it matters what we're hearing and how we're listening to it and what we give our ears to. Um, you can see the effect of, of using both of them well. Proverbs 15, um, which is a lovely, lovely verse in many ways, and, and encouraging one uh, to use our ears and, and eyes, ears and eyes well. I just came across it the other day. Um, but the light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and good news refreshes the bones. Um, when what is good is coming in through our, our eyes and our ears, it, it does good to us. We, we feel better, essentially. It's, it's like... It's like light and it's like a refreshment and it rejoices us. Um, and just moving on slightly, um, classically we know this, the world says follow your heart. Um, I want to say, as Christians, we should be changing that um, to, to direct your heart um, with, with wise use of your gatekeepers, i.e. your eyes and your ears, um, direct your heart. Um, what's the difference? Well, we'll follow your heart is, is to say whatever, whatever thought comes into your mind and whatever, whatever um, impulse you get in your, in your heart and whichever way um, you want to go, um, just do it. Go for it. Um, doesn't matter. Um, but direct your heart is it, it, more of a, on the other side. It's pointing your heart in the right direction. And we can do that as we carefully consider and choose and what comes before our eyes and our ears. And if we do that, I think we'll find that we slowly and gradually begin to cultivate the right desires and the right thinking um, and the strong will, and we starve the wrong ones. It's crucial, isn't it? Uh, We live in the most audio-visual period of human history. Um, 
we're constantly bombarded with, with images and noise. Um, again, it's not, it's not, we're not in a neutral environment. Um, we need to think carefully. Um, now, now, there's stuff which will come to us which we can't help, and stuff which, which will, will just come across our path, stuff we'll see or hear, uh, and we can't do much about that, um, and stuff that's not, not healthy for our hearts. And, and so we, we need to be watchful, just as we were thinking about at the beginning. Um, there's going to be stuff in your day which you're just not going to know is going to come, and it will. And how are we prepared for that? Are we watchful for it? Are we responding rightly when it does? But I want to focus more on the kind of, are we considering what we put before our eyes and our ears? Um, the stuff that we have more of a choice over. So we watch all over the stuff we don't have a choice over. Um, we've got to go to work, for instance. We've got to interact with our colleagues. That's a good thing to do. Um, but we watch all over that. But are we, are we considering what we put before our eyes and our ears? Because it will be shaping us. Whatever comes through our gatekeepers uh, will be shaping us, uh, either positively or negatively. Um, our desires and our thinking and our will will be affected. The first thing, um, Dad, be, be thoughtful. Um, again, it comes back to the watching image, doesn't it? Um, but, but we need to not be passive consumers as Christians. A classic example of this, which I've, I've come across again and again, is sitcom um, Friends. Um, which is, I'm sure I've watched quite a lot of it, I'm sure many of you have watched quite a lot of it. Um, but it, but it, it normalises uh, and um, attractively presents kind of cultures' narratives, particularly on kind of gender and, and sexuality. Um, and and we watch, if we watch it passively, we'll find its messages infiltrate our hearts without us even being aware. We, we watch it night by night, and suddenly we begin wondering why, why are we struggling with what the Bible teaches on, on sexuality, for instance. Um, it looks so good. The message to us is, 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 is that it's good. Um, that, that's passive, passively consuming it without thought and going into it. And I suggest that that's true for a lot of our TV. Um, no, no TV is neutral, by the way. Um, it all has agenda and bias in it. Um, what, what, are, what are the things I'm looking at here and teaching me? How is it trying to shape me? So, to be thoughtful, but also just don't be naive. Um, I've heard this more than once from, from different friends. Um, it's okay for me to do X um, because that thing doesn't really affect me. I do it for a different reason. Um, the example I have of that is, is I was chatting to my friend about kind of whether Christians are not to watch Game of Thrones. And he says, it's okay for me, me to watch it because I, I really watch it for the plot, um, despite the fact it's, it's full of violence and, and nudity. And he said that honestly, um, but I want to say, don't be naive. Um, what we watch, what comes in through our, our eyes and our ears, infiltrates our hearts and shapes them. And so we allow ourselves to watch things that are full of swearing and um, filth and, and violence and, and then wonder why our kind of daydreaming and thought life contains the same stuff. Um, don't, don't be naive. Be thoughtful and don't be naive. Just a few examples. Um, a few examples of, of how... Um, how we see this kind of guarding and considering the eyes and the ears in Scripture. Um, Job, Job says he makes, makes a covenant with his eyes not to look on a virgin. Um, Job 31, verse 1. Um, he knows he's tempted to lust. He knows that um, uh, he knows it will incite lust. And so he makes an oath. Um, I'm not going to do acts. Like, that can be a helpful thing to do. Jesus says, tear out your right eye if it makes you sin. Um, it's an extreme pitch of making sure that we're using our eyes rightly and not, and not letting them lead us into sin. 
Um, the one I found particularly helpful, actually, is Proverbs 7. So if you've still got that open, keep it open. Um, Proverbs 7. Um, just, just look down at verse 7. Um, says in verse, Proverbs 7, verse 7, I have seen among the simple, right, those who aren't wise, those who aren't thoughtful, I have perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the time of night and darkness. He sees and looks out and sees a man walking down a particular road at a particular time. I mean, is there anything particularly wrong about that road or about it being night? Well, well, kind of yes and no. There's nothing wrong per se for the man to take a particular route. But he's being a fool. Why? Because he's straying somewhere where he knows his eyes and his ears are going to be confronted by a prostitute that he meets in verse 10. Um, and realistically, he probably knew that. He probably thought, I'm just going home, but I'm going to take this route. Um, but he's doing it because actually his heart wants to meet her. Um, he's, not, he's not guarding his eyes and his ears from temptation. Um, there's, there's stuff which isn't per se particularly in itself wrong, but actually what it does to our hearts really matters. And where it's putting our hearts really matters. And Philippians 4 verse 8, again, which is just a, it's a really lovely verse in many ways, um, just, just tells us to put before our minds um, basically what is good. Let me, let me read it for you when I find it. Whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lo- lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, perhaps these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Um, it's interesting, actually, that Paul links to their kind of knowledge of good stuff to what they've heard and seen in him. Um, it comes through their eyes and their ears, equally for us. We'll, we'll, we should be putting good things through our minds. And again, those things come to us uh, largely through our eyes and our ears. So a positive direction, how to put them. Um, so, so cake keepers, it's all about knowing your heart and knowing how your heart will respond to stuff and being honest about that. And so being careful what you allow your heart to have access to and not being naive about it and not just being a passive consumer. And if we're doing that, um, we'll start directing our hearts in the right direction. Let's um, just turn over your sheet. Um, a few discussion questions. Just to begin, I'm um, just trying to apply it a little bit to your lives. As you think about your lives, um, what comes before your eyes and ears in your day-to-day? And what do you do from 7 in the morning to, to 10 at night? Um, and... Yeah, think, think about that. And, and then what practical things do you think will, will, will it look like to start guarding your heart? Um, why don't you do that in it for five minutes in groups? Let's, um, let's draw the, that to a close. I just want one very quick example for me. Um, it struck me yesterday. Um, I, I, when I go shopping, I hear people say, basically, oh my God, a lot at the till or people around me shopping. And if, if I'm not being thoughtful about that, that, that actually does affect how I think of God. And people treat him lightly and that, that infiltrates into my heart. Um, that, that's one tiny example of how what, I, what I'm hearing is shaping me. 
Um, and if, I, if I don't think about it, um, it will affect my, my view of God subconsciously. Let me, let me just point out um, uh, three things I want to draw your attention to, um, three characteristics of a, of a gardener, somebody who keeps of all keeping. I, that's an that's a, that's a, a emphasis on, on the need to keep. Um, they're attentive, so they, they pay a close attention to, to what's going on in their garden. We need to be attentive to ourselves. Um, why did I think that? Well, why am I trying to defend this position in particular? Why am I trying to do it so strongly? Or am I resisting God's will in this area? And if I am, then why am I doing that? Um, am I being weak uh, to sin? Again, what am I believing? Um, um, hard work is, is uh, a work of close attention. It's hard work. Labour in your garden is, is difficult. Um, it's just much easier to coast through spiritual life um, than to, to engage your heart. Um, it, it, it takes effort and discipline um, preserving and protecting it. Um, when you become a Christian, you basically end up having to work out a whole heap harder in, in your life. And I would say it's daily work as well. Um, it's amazing how quickly, if, if you garden a garden, garden a garden, it's amazing how quickly it can become overgrown and full of weeds and turn into a mess. Um, there needs to be a, a daily attention and hard work in our hearts. A garden who does none of those three things will end up with a garden that's wild and unkept and pleases no one. But also remember it's worth it. Um, your heart has been made alive by, by Christ. It's been made alive so you can chase what is really holy and good and satisfying. Um, so you can become in yourself someone who's, who's beautiful in, in, inside. Um, Christ at work in you to do that in you. And actually we want that as well, don't we? We long to be people who are just better who are healthier and healthier. Uh, and so hard work is all about seeing to it that we, we do, that we put in the, the effort to do all we can to direct our hearts. Just to be finished, let, let me read Psalm uh, 121, a psalm that we sing, um, particularly at baptisms. Um, because it's a, psalm, it's a psalm all about what, what God does for us. So nowhere in the psalm is about what, what we are meant to be doing. This is what we've been thinking about. So it's helpful to turn our hearts towards God. Um, it's a psalm that assumes the way is dangerous for us, assumes that we'll stumble and fall uh, and, and be tempted and things will try and attack us and hurt us. Um, but it's a psalm that gives us encouragement. And it's nothing about what we do and everything about what God does. Let me read it for you and then I'll pray and we'll finish. Uh, a song of a sense. I lift up my eyes to the hills. And from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. We go about keeping our hearts undergirded by him keeping us. Let me pray for us. Our Father in heaven, thank you that you do keep us, that we are in the palm of your hands, and that our faith is not about us striving to please you, but about uh, you coming and working in us. Pray therefore that you would be uh, changing us and particularly making us more and more aware of the world we live in 
and be training us day by day to use our eyes and our ears well, not for, our, not for ourselves and our self-gratification, um, but for your glory and for your kingdom, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.